What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, the podcast committed to helping you level up your game as a dad and become the husband, father, and man you are called to be. My name is Drew Camp, founder of the Epic Dad Company, and I want to say thank you for being here. Our goal at the Epic Dad Company is to change the culture by creating more epic dads because we need fathers to start showing up in a different way now more than ever. Our culture is in a tough spot right now. Our country is in a tough spot. You've, you've heard that old saying that hard times create strong men, strong men create good times, good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. I don't think that this is more true than it has been right now. Take a look around our society, our culture right now. We have had it great for so long, and that greatness has created weak men, men that don't have values, they don't have core principles. They buckle under pressure. They don't make the hard decisions. And men that are afraid to do the hard right thing. Well, as a result of that, we are heading into hard times. Just look around. Our culture's in decline. Our economy's on the rocks. We've got politicians more interested in the expression of self and authenticity than actually leading our country. We're on the brink of World War III. I mean, it, it feels like we are lining up for some hard times. So, it is more important now than ever that we as fathers step up to the plate. We pursue personal excellence. We lead our children. We lead our spouses to make the hard but right decisions. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thank you for being here. My one ask is that if you are enjoying this show, if you're able to pull any value out of any one of the, these episodes, please leave us a review. Uh, we have guys ask all the time how they can help support our mission here at Tedco, and leaving us a review of the show is the number one easiest uh, way to help us forward our mission of creating Epic Dads. It takes literally two seconds. Just scroll down on Apple or Spotify and let us know what you think. Leave us your comments. Uh, your review goes a long way with ensuring that other dads can find this show they can dive in and they can start doing the hard work to better themselves and start leading their family, which is what we need as a culture. So help support the mission here, guys, and drop down and leave us a quick review. We would definitely appreciate it. Okay, guys, with that, let's jump into today's episode. Today we have on Ryan King. Now, Ryan is a friend of mine that I met through the Apogee Strong Dads program, which if you haven't checked that out, you absolutely need to. It is run by Matt Bodro and Tim Kennedy. And it is a 12-month-long program that's helping dads really take a look at themselves and, and, and craft a new vision for their life, for their family, and start executing on that vision. Um, and Ryan, Ryan's in that, in that group with me, right? And, and Ryan is a dad. Uh, he's a business owner. He's a thought leader when it comes to the traditional roles of fatherhood and masculinity. Ryan has garnered a lot of attention and a pretty substantial following over the past year or so on social media through his handle, The Wisdom of Kings where he posts long-form, thought-provoking content about how we can lead our families and fully step into our role as fathers and husbands. Now, this conversation was a ton of fun with some huge takeaways, uh, especially about how important it is to get our kids involved in sports at an early age. Now, Ryan credits, credits his experiences with competitive sports as to what has driven him to be successful in the business world as the founder of Guardian Payments which has led to financial freedom for him and his family by the time he was 35. So guys, it's really hard to provide a preview of this conversation because we talked about so much and I had so many key takeaways and I know you guys will too. 
you are not going to want to miss this conversation. So let's hop into uh, this episode with the wisdom of Kings himself, uh, Mr. Ryan King. Are you ready to become the dad you were meant to be? Good, because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect actions are better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three and founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they're called to be. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. All right, Mr. Ryan King, welcome to the show, man. How are you? I'm doing well, Drew. How are you doing, man? Thanks I'm for doing, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm psyched to have you uh, on the show. been following, uh, you know, on, on social media and got to know you a little bit through uh, the Apogee Strong Dads program. And so pumped to, pumped to have you on, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to, to honestly just kind of spark a conversation, um, you know, about fatherhood, about leadership. Um, you know, your your Instagram handle is Wisdom of Kings, right? And uh, that that is is very interesting to me to 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 really break that down and and look kind of at some of the content that you're putting out uh, that just seems like a a wealth of knowledge for for how old you are, uh, which is still relatively young, right? But but yeah. kind of you have that you know that kind of spark of ancient wisdom. So like what what tell me the story behind hopping onto social media, you know, creating some of that content around fathership or uh, fatherhood and leadership. Well, I kind of just got to a point where. I just realized like, if I'm not going to do it, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to apparently. So just observing the kind of stuff that was being said and, and um, the people that were holding, holding themselves up as, you know, advisors or people with experience or wisdom or whatever. I just, I would listen to their stuff and I would just kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, that ain't it, you know? And yeah. And finally it was just like, I don't know, like for me, I was never a big social media consumer. So my life started out like my adult life started out, you know, my wife got pregnant before we got married. And so we, you know, had a basically a shotgun wedding and I got thrown into the deep end at 25. My son was born. My oldest son was born on my 25th birthday. Okay. And at the time I thought that was a pretty normal age, you know, but now I look around and you know, most, almost everybody I know that my kids are like on the same sports teams with them or whatever, you know, are like eight or 10 years older than me. Yeah. For the most part. And so I, apparently I, I got into it, fatherhood and all that stuff pretty young, especially now people aren't getting married until they're 35 or whatever, you know, but, <laughs> and so for me, it was just like, I just had to dive in, you know, like there wasn't like a, a gradual process I just had to dive in and start learning and I had to I had to you know establish a career financially you know like neither my, my wife and I neither one graduated from college you know like we had nothing and so it was very much like okay all hands on deck we've got a we all of a sudden now in a very short time period have to build a foundation for a life you know? yeah um, yeah yeah, it's so, funny that it, I was just gonna say it's funny you mentioned the the, the young age, right? At twenty five, um, I mean, it seems like that now, you know, right? Like you said, right. I think people are putting off um, having kids until older and older and older in life. But there's just there's such amazing fulfillment you get from from children, you know, right? And it oh, feels yeah. like your your life, like I don't remember life before kids, you know. I'm like, what did I do? Like, yeah. like did, did I have hobbies? Like, you know, like like what would it look like? Because everything it now seems, is 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 it seems the, so empty and fruitful. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's just, you know, 
I think having kids, it, it forces you to grow up. It forces you to be selfless. It forces you to think things through in a completely different way and really reflect on yourself, you know, because now you got somebody that's really paying attention to how you're acting and what you're doing. And if you want to be a good father, which hopefully, you know, it's not the case, but we should, as men, all want to be good fathers. Um, it just changes your whole perception, you know, and now going back to thinking about doing the stuff that all these guys are doing in their 30s. I'm just like, y'all can have that. Y'all can have all of that. Y'all can have 100% of that. I want. No, I don't even want to taste <laughs> going to the club and going out with your buddies and all that stuff. Like, I've, I've gone out to the bar a few times with my buddies, like, that are single or don't have kids yet or whatever. Yeah. And dude, I am so bored. I'm like, how do you, like, what do y'all, y'all enjoy this still? This is weird, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel like I'm like playing with Hot Wheels cars, like <laughs> pretending to enjoy it. You know, it's like, yeah, this is fun. It's like, dude, it's not fun anymore. Like I, I knew that a long time ago. Yeah. I don't know. There's just like, there's just so much more important things in, in life. And once you, you yeah. start to build, build that family, that's when you realize it. Right. And like, I, I'm the same way. I, I don't think I've been to you know, a bar or a club, you know, in, in years. And, and I think it'd be the same thing. I'd be like, this is just like, what are we doing here? You know? Um, but it, it's, it's yeah. funny. You, you mentioned you weren't really a social media user, but you know, you would see some content and advice that people would put out that you're just like, no, that's just terrible, terrible advice. Like what, what type of stuff were you seeing that, that just totally just did not resonate with you? I mean, the main thing I think that doesn't resonate with me is how, um, people are trying to adapt to the format of social media with like these short form blurbs they're trying to make these form. it's basically like we've seen it our whole lives right like before the social media it was on infomercials like the get rich quick scheme or the like the the hot buns program that you could buy on vhs to yeah seven seven minute abs yeah yeah exactly and it's like no life isn't like that man and 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 people are taking this advice and they're taking it literally and the reality is that nothing works that way, you know? And so all the, so pretty much, you know, everything that I saw, whether, I, whether it was about politics or whether it was about, you know, the pandemic when all that stuff was going on or whether it was about relationships or whatever, I'm like, I can't, I can't shut up anymore. I just can't sit by and let these idiots control, control the narrative anymore. Like I've got to do something. Um, and so for me, I, you know, even on Instagram, you know, like I started about a year and a half ago, um, you know, Instagram, nobody at the time, especially, and still very few people, I write like a blog. Yeah. I would say it's very like long form content. Yeah. Right. And, and where, where everybody has the attention span of three seconds, right. You know, right now. Right. It's like, there's, you get so much more out of that and having like a, a almost an open conversation on a platform like Instagram, you know, and like, that's, I mean, that's why I love the, like the podcasting world so much is you can sit down and have a discussion and like really get in, in deep yeah. as to where it's, it's, you know, through an Instagram reel or whatever. It's just very surface level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people have told me, I'll oh, post more often if you want to grow, you know, post more often or do more short form stuff. And it's like, guys, I don't have anything that I don't have anything to say in 90 seconds. If yeah. you want to talk to me, I'm going to tell you how, how to really be effective at leadership or, sales or business or marriage, mm -hmm. fatherhood or whatever and i can't i can't have that conversation in 90 seconds and so if i can, if i can't explain it fully i'm not going to say anything mm -hmm. yeah no that makes sense and, and like and you're not like a full-time instagrammer right so you know um i, I want to know what, what do you do what do you do full-time 
I've been retired since I was 35. Um, and so um, I have one thing, I mean, I have a, a severe sleeping disorder where my body clock doesn't reset. Um, and so, you know, like for, for a lot of people, you know, if you were to go to Dubai, you would have jet lag and you'd feel weird for three or four days. And then your, your body clock would adjust to the, you know, the time of whatever it is in Dubai and you would go to bed at night and wake up in the morning. For me, I have a disorder where my body clock is fixed and it doesn't adapt. So, um, it's called delayed sleep phase disorder. And it's actually like a disability. It's on the Americans with Disabilities Act or whatever. And I've had that my whole life. My son has it. Um, and so my body clock is basically set naturally to sleep from about 4 a.m. to noon. <laughs> yeah. And I, I can make myself just like you, right? Like, I, yeah, if you had a flight to catch and you had to wake up at 3 a.m., you could and you could mm. go do it, but you wouldn't be you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you'd be kind of, you'd be out of sorts. Your mind wouldn't be sharp. You just, you know, I just got to get to the plane and then I'm going to go back to sleep or whatever. Right. Like if I, if I go outside of my body clock, that's kind of what I feel like. And so just to live a normal life where you wake up at 8 AM or 6 30 AM or whatever, like I can make myself do it if I need to, but that it's like 40% of me. Mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm kind of like a zombie, you know? Okay. So Actually, no, I've never, never heard of that. It's gotta be, that's gonna be extremely challenging, right? I mean, oh, it's, and, yeah, it's the bane. It was the bane of my existence. I mean, for a long. Just imagine being in college and trying to do well in college, and you wake up at nine, and like my brain won't turn on. It would be like telling you to wake up at two a.m. and do a sales presentation at two fifteen and be like sharp. Yeah, you know. Or for me, like going to bed, you know, at ten would be like telling you, like, go, hey, it's four in the afternoon. Yeah, just go, go to, sleep. to sleep. Yeah, go to sleep right now. Even though you're not tired and you're wide awake and you're jazzed up, just go to sleep and wake up at midnight and be ready to rock. It's like it wouldn't work, you know. And so it causes a lot of problems um, when I was building my business and when I was in college and even in my marriage, you know. Because for a long time I didn't know I had a disorder. You know, I just like most guys, you know, I just thought I was a pussy. You know, like. I'm just tired all the time for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, and so yeah, that that was really tough. And so now, since I'm retired, I I just go with my body clock, and so I I stay up until about two thirty or three, and I wake up about eleven, and that's been amazing for my health and just my mental you know peace of mind and all that stuff is just able to being able to feel rested, you know, and um, and then I'll use, I go to the gym every day. Um, I I. Um, read a lot of books my kids I'm really involved with my my kids homeschool you know and so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really involved with with I'm not I wouldn't say really involved with that but I'm 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 involved with homeschooling and then they're both playing sports and so I coach and stuff at night and so our and even my family like our schedule is a little later in the day too just because mm -hmm. my schedule is a little later but because we homeschool we're able to do that um so yeah I mean I and then I write on Instagram you know, yeah between taking care of my health and going to the gym and eating right and yeah well you glossed over something um that I, I think probably everybody heard was that you have been retired since you were 35 yeah. uh I think that's a lot of people's goals right I'm 36 and I'm not retired so keep me in on what I'm doing wrong what did you do <laughs> well um I told my wife when we were dating um I'm gonna be retired by the time I'm 35 
um, I don't like, you know, I, I've always been very uh, contrarian. And so I remember like being in college and, and people, people would say, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it's, of course, at the time, 20 years ago, when, when you thought about a career, it was a nine to five, 40 hour a week sort of structure, right? We had an mm-hmm. idea, we're going to work nine to five, 40 hours a week. And so I was, you know, thinking through all the things that I could do nine to five for 40 hours a week. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Nothing. I, there's nothing on the planet. If you, if you told me that I could have sex from nine to five, I've, I've got to wake up at seven 30 and have sex from 9. AM to 5. PM mm. 40 hours a week for 30 years. I wouldn't even want to do that. So okay. my answer to that is I don't like that game at all. I'm not going to play it. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to find a different way. And so I kind of reverse engineered it where I just started looking, I was in sales and I knew that that was kind of my talent. Um, and I, but most sales jobs reset, you know, if you sell something, you only sell it once, you know, mm-hmm. you, sell it, you get paid for it once. And so I started looking for any and every opportunity that I could to where, how can, how can I do something um, that I can sell it once and keep getting paid on it forever? Yeah. Your continuity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um and I didn't even know the terminology for it back at, you know, this was back in like 2005, 2006. I didn't even know there were words, there were words for things like residuals or mm. income or all those things. You know, I was a kid. I just knew the structure of, you know, I want to bust my ass for 10 years and just build something that has a life of its own after that, you know, get the moment, get the ball rolling, get the momentum built up and let it keep going. And, um, and even I think a couple of years ago, I read the almanac of Naval Ravikant and, you know, he, he termed it as leverage. You know, how do you leverage, you know, so many people are exchanging their time for money. And at a certain point, you reach, you reach a cap, even if you're a neurosurgeon, mm-hmm. you ever stop doing neurosurgery, you're not going to make any money anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you get paid $5,000 an hour. Yeah, there's only so many surgeries you can do, right? Yeah, you run out of hours in the day, so it's all about leverage. How can I how can I invest an hour and get paid on it for a hundred hours or whatever, right? So you've got to, and so that's that for, for me was what I looked for, and what I still look for is like if I'm going to work, I want to work really hard once, and mm-hmm. then be done. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's kind of where the I ended up stumbling into the payment space. And the only reason I got into the payment space was because it had the characteristics I was looking for and something I could build once and it would take on a life of its own and I would keep getting paid on it forever. And I, I I mean, I still own the company. Um, You know, I just have, I've hired people to do all, run all the day-to-day stuff. And I, yeah, I I work, you know, 40 hours a year. Yeah. Yeah. That's another part of leverage, right? Is, is, is not only from a residual and like continuity payments perspective, but also how can you leverage other people too? Right. Because there's only, like you said, with the neurosurgeon, you know, there's, yeah, you can only do so many surgeries in in so many hours. Right. But Hey, if you are a neurosurgeon and you hire other neurosurgeons and train them how to do it, right. Then you can, you can leverage your time more effectively that way too. It's kind of, it's almost like a, um, you know, it's almost like a battle plan, you know, like where there's different phases of, you know, step one is this and step two is this, and you kind of just execute this sequence of maneuvers. Um, and so for me, step one was money. You know, if I wanted to hire people to, you know, make myself obsolete, I had to have a surplus of money beyond just what I, what I needed to make. Mm-hmm. And I had to go sell enough to be able to afford to hire somebody else. Mm-hmm. 
that I could replicate myself into. And so first was sales. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was hiring people. And, you know, if you think about it, like hands on a clock, like midnight, you know, 12 o'clock is sales for every business. You got to have sales. You know, the, you know, if you move to like the three, the three hand on the clock, it's, um, you know, hire people and train, hire people, you know, mm -hmm. the six hand is like train them. And then the nine hand is re review them. And then at that point, hopefully you have other people that can sell. Mm -hmm. and, and the whole thing is self-perpetuating at that point. Yeah. And so that's kind of, that was the rough outline I had in my head before I ever even, I mean, got into payments, you know, as I kind of had an idea of, it's like the chess player that thinks several moves in advance or whatever, you know, like I didn't know. And that's what I tell a lot of men is, you know, I, I come at things from the opposite direction. A lot of times, like, I don't, I didn't know anything about payments. You know what I mean? Like I didn't seek that out. I, I knew that I think a lot of, a lot, a lot of people miss out on opportunities because they're, they don't know it for what it is when they see it. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think the fact that I'd mapped out what, the, what I wanted to do and how I knew the structure needed to be. It helps me recognize when I came across the payments industry. Oh, I, I can, I can execute that battle plan through that business and it would work. Right? Yeah. Whereas, like a t-shirt company. I can't do that. Right. I've sell a t-shirt. There's no guarantee they're going to come back and buy another t-shirt from me. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, it, it makes you and, and especially about the the planning, like putting emphasis on planning, right? Uh, of kind of having that that time to to sit and think strategically about how the plan is going to work. I think a lot of guys, you know, they 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 think, hey, I just got to be taking action, taking action, taking action to get results, um, and which is true, right? Like you, you're going to need to take action to drive the results you want, but is it in, ultimately in the direction that you want to go, right? And I think you got to no, define and, where you want to go. I mean, think about it, and I think a lot of it, man, is is in a lot of ways i feel like modern modern people are like zoo animals that forgot how to hunt you know what i mean because like if you think about it like like my son right if i tell him to clean his room he's going to come up with a way he doesn't want to clean his room so he's going to come up with a way to get it done as fast as possible mm -hmm. so that he can be done with it you know and i think a lot of men we've almost like made an idol out of work ethic yeah and, and which is, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with work ethic, but it's kind of dumb to just put your head down and grind if you're grinding in the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're yeah, grinding yeah. In, a, in, in a dead end, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. it's like you've got your eyes down and your foot is on the gas pedal and you're actually, your car's up against a wall and you just keep putting the grip. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like I get that you want to get moving and get going, but there's nothing wrong. Like for me, I call it the virtue of laziness. Like I don't have a great work ethic. I work as hard as I need to, to get the job done, mm -hmm. but I'm going to yeah. sit, I'm going to think through like, what is the fastest way I can get this shit over with? Cause I don't like doing this and I don't need, <laughs> to prove anything. I don't need to prove anything to myself. Yeah. Like, Oh, I've got great work. I've got as much work ethic as I need. Yeah. I'll outwork anybody if I need to, but I'm not just going to go do it and feel like I'm accomplishing something. Yeah. Yeah. I love that analogy of, of just having the, your foot on the gas, you know, your head down and you're up against a wall, <laughs> like every oh, now and then you need to be able to look up. Right. And be like, okay, am I making progress? <laughs> right. Like, how, how am I measuring that, my results? Like, 
if I'm going on this journey in my, you know, proverbial car, it's like, I'm going to find every shortcut I can. A lot of guys just take so much pride in their worth at work ethic that they're like, they take the long way around and they go over roadblocks and then they hit a brick wall and they're like, no, what I, I read on Instagram, this is the way we got to keep going. And it's like, dude, you're up against a wall right now. And there's no balance of like, yeah, if I've got to drive from here to Florida, I'll do it, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I want to be mm. in Florida. Yeah. So I'm going to get there as fast as I can. I'm going to look for every shortcut, every, every way around it that I can get. And if everybody else is going a certain way, I'm not going to be afraid to be like, you know what? I'm going to go this other way because I think it might be faster, even if mm -hmm. there's nobody else on that road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to trust myself and I'm going to take that shortcut while all these people sit in traffic. Hey guys, interrupting this episode real quick to tell you how we keep this podcast going. And that is by you supporting the Epic Dadco or Tedco for short. Tedco is the only premium natural supplement brand designed specifically for busy dads just like you. We create 100% natural, 100% label transparent, incredible supplements to help fuel your journey to be a better athlete, leader, provider, but above all, a better father. We believe that the best way you can show up for your family is to start taking care of yourself first. Our first supplement we've released is an all-natural pre-workout designed specifically to help you get to the gym, get an effective workout in, and get back to doing what you do best, fatherhood. Tedco Pre is loaded with clinical doses of the most important ingredients you want in a pre-workout, including 6 grams of BCAAs, 6 grams of citrulline, 5 grams of creatine, and 3.2 grams of beta-alanine. Hop over to theepicdad.com and use discount code LEGACY, that's discount code LEGACY, to get 20% off your first order for being a loyal listener of the show. All right, let's hop back into this episode. Yeah, so you so you worked your ass off from 25 to 35. Um, what did family life look like then? You've got a young son, another one at some point in time in that, in that mix, right? Um, you know, a, a big focus you know, for, for this podcast, really our brand is trying to be the, the best father you can be, which, which a lot of times that, you know, that's going to be provision, right. Providing, you know, yeah. monetarily and, and things like that, but, but it's also providing leadership, providing direction, providing vision, you know, being, being present with the family. So like, what, how, what did that balance look like? And, and what was the buy-in like from the family for, for working so hard? Well, I think in a lot of ways it helped with me and, and my wife because of our situation, uh, knowing, that we didn't follow the formula and it was like we went from like just kind of hanging out and having fun and you know going to the bars on the weekends and, and stuff like that to all of a sudden like damn oh, yeah shit just <laughs> getting real you know what i mean yeah. it, is, it is real now and so it was kind of an all hands on deck situation and i just told her i said babe especially like with my sleeping disorder like i i have very little free time you know mm -hmm. very little energy and so I just told her, I mean, um, you know, the first five or six years are mommy time. Like, there's nothing I can contribute. They're not going to remember me. Like, they're, they, they just need nurturing. Like, I'm telling you, and I need you to trust me, that by the time they need me the most, when they're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, that's when they need dad. You know, right now they need mom. They need to be consoled when they're crying and all that stuff. Like, there's not a whole lot I have to offer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour everything I have into getting us to a point to where, when the time comes that they that they need me the most, I won't have to work at all. Mm. 
And so there really wasn't balance. It was like, I'm going to completely finish this project. And then once I'm done with that project, I'll have all the time in the world for the other projects. Yeah. Do you feel like you missed out on some things? Um, for those years? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like it's affected my, my sons at all. They don't mm -hmm. remember whether I was there or not. They have no memory of it either way. Um, it is hard for me because, you know, my only memories for, and I, I, there was a really like a four year time span where I was really like, it, all I did was work. If I was awake, I was working and that was, that was it. Um, and I have no memories of my, of my boys in those four years other than pictures. Like Lauren will send me, my, you know, my wife will send me pictures or I'll look at videos or whatever. And, um, and yeah, man, it's hard, you know, it's heartbreaking. Um, but that's just, I mean, that's a sacrifice that I chose before that ever happened. And, you know, I would mm -hmm. do the same thing again, because now, I mean, the amount of time that I have to pour into them and not be distracted by work, or, you know, not, not be yeah. stressed by mm -hmm. what's going on at work and really just be able to spend time with them. You know, like a couple of weeks ago, we just randomly decided to drive to Dallas and we spent like three days in, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just the three of us down in Dallas, you know, going riding go-karts and you know going to sporting goods stores and eating food that they'd never eaten before and you know we talked the whole way down there the whole way back you know mm -hmm. so it's just one of those things where it's it's all gone according to the plan that i that i that i put in place you know when we found out we were pregnant um but you know everything ha everything has a cost right and that's one of the things that i feel like again with instagram it's given people a lot of, it's, it gives a lot of people the impression that you can have it all. And it's mm -hmm. like, you can have it all, but you can't have it all at the same time. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. You can't take a shower and eat dinner all at once. Even if Instagram is telling me like, oh, eating dinner is important and taking a shower is important. And I feel like it gives a lot of people this impossible thing where it's like, if you're working your ass off to try to make money, you cannot also be at home changing diapers it's they're mutually exclusive things yes ideally you can do both but that's like saying well why why can't i fly just jump up in the air you just can't like it's not i can't be yeah. in two places at once you know? yeah i think financially as a man especially if your wife's not working and you want their your kids to stay home be able to homeschool and all that stuff like until you've built your finances up to the point where you have the capacity to take your foot off of the gas and it can somewhat be self-sustaining, your priority has to be has to be finances. If and and I would say that there's an important caveat, like if you're in a position where what you're doing financially is temporary, right? Mm -hmm. like if you're if you're in an if you're in an industry or if you're pursuing a career that by exerting a hundred hours a week now, it means you'll only have to do five hours a week later. Yeah, they'll go back to leverage. Mm. Th yeah, then get the hundred hours out of out of the way all at once as fast as you can, and then you have all the free time in the world to spend with your family. Now, if you're working, a lot of guys don't have that option, right? If you're working blue collar, if you're working at a corporation or whatever, then yeah, you do you do have to have that balance. But you're also only working forty hours a week, not a hundred. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there's different seasons in life, 
you know, where we're going to have different focuses and emphasis, right? And, and, and you had a season that was a busy season for work and, and, you know, financially. And then now you got into a season where, hey, I'm going to be focused on family, right? But, but you made that conscious decision. And I think yeah. that's something that guys need to think about a lot more often is, you know, what I'm going through right now, it might not, it's not one, it's not going to last forever, right? That things are going to change, circumstances are going to change. And I, I personally hate the word work-life balance, um, yeah, there, there, uh, yeah, I don't think there is such thing. Right. And I think it, it's all about the intention that you're bringing to the activity that you're in. And so, excuse me. Um, so like, you know, I, I'm a big proponent of the work-life balance thing is bullshit. And that when you're in something, you need to be in it 100%. Right. And so if I'm at work and I'm working, I am in the zone, right. I am working. But then when I make that transition and go, you know, shut work off and I go to the home, like work is done. I'm not trying to balance that in my life now. Like I am done with that for the day. Now with my family, I'm going to be with them 100% of the time. And I think that the amount of time that we spend in each of those buckets is going to vary based off the, you know, the seasonal life that we're in. But the, I think it's the intentionality that you bring to that activity that you're you're working on, you know? Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I was, what I was doing was very demanding mentally. Mm-hmm. And a lot, of, a lot of men have never, you know, I, I, the guy that runs my business now, He'd always ever done construction, you know, and he was used to being out in, in, in Arkansas where I live. I mean, doing construction in Arkansas in the summertime, it's like 105 degrees with 80% humidity. Like it's one of the most physically demanding jobs you can do. And uh, when I brought him on after the first, after the first couple of months, he said, man, I didn't know what tired was <laughs> mm-hmm. until I got this job, like mentally, mentally demanding jobs are so much more draining than physically demanding jobs. Mm-hmm. so for me a lot of it was even when I wasn't working I mean my mind had nothing left mm-hmm. like I was awake but I had nothing left in the tank to be like participating and putting puzzles together with with a two-year-old or whatever it was just like I am a, I'm like a, a vegetable like I'm spent um you know and so I think a lot of men you just have to you have to know yourself you have to know your plan um you know, you've got, you've, and, and you've got, and you've got to know, like, nobody's going to, my, my wife believed in me, you know, like, she believed me when I said, like, I know I'm not very active right now. I know that I'm kind of checked out right now, but the commitment I made to her when she was pregnant and repeatedly over the years was, hey, this isn't going to last forever, but I don't enjoy this either. I mean, you think I like working a hundred hours a week? Mm. You know, like you think I, I don't even like credit. I don't even like payment processing. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm at the bar with my buddies or on the golf yeah. course or something. You know what I mean? I think that's an important distinction, you know, because, you know, my wife and I didn't really have a lot of problems about how much I was working and how so much was on her when it came to the child raising because she knew that what energy I had was all going towards what was going to be best for our whole family, mm-hmm. you know, um, but I frequently recommunicated that to her. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big piece of the communication piece, right? I think a lot of times husband and wife aren't on the same page, you know, of what what does that vision look like for us and what's it going to take to get there, right? And and there is, I hate to bring that word back again, but there is that balance, right? Of because there is only so much time and so much capacity that we have, right? And so you know, when we think about, let's just say, I mean, let's just say we have a hundred percent, right? And, and in this phase of life, like I need to be giving eighty percent to my my career, my job to build us up financially. It's like, you have to be on the same page, you know, yeah. with your spouse on that or else there's going to be constant conflict, 
right? Of yeah. hey, you're working so you're working too much. You're never here. You're never around. Yeah. And yeah. I told her, I said, babe, I, you know, I'm not withholding anything from you at all. I haven't like I'm giving you everything I have. It's just that what I have to give is pathetic. <laughs> there's, no, there's there's nothing left now. Next weekend. I don't have anything going on. Let's plan a day trip. Let's take the kids to the petting zoo or whatever, you know, and like, that's, that's the best I can do. Right. It's like, it's quality over quantity sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the, one of the ways I explain it is, you know, if you think about a rocket, you know, trying to get into orbit, I mean, it uses 90% of its fuel to get into orbit because Mm -hmm. getting it, getting the rocket off of the ground and away from gravity far enough up into the atmosphere that it that it then it can just stay in orbit and use no fuel at all it's really damn hard as a man Mm -hmm. especially if you're following this path that we talk so much about on instagram or the apogee dads program where if the goal is for the wife to not have to work and you know potentially homeschool your kids or whatever if that's all on you as a man like you got to understand you're gonna have to use all the fuel you've got yeah, just to get in momentum. Just to mm. get into orbit. And then once you're into orbit, it's not going to be that hard anymore. Mm. You know, but the more you try to pull to pull back on the velocity of the rocket to balance now, the longer it's going to take to get into orbit. Mm-hmm. So you can you can choose to put 50% into getting into orbit and use the other 50% for family. Or you could just be like, hey. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to get, I'm going to give everything I have to getting into orbit. And then I'm all yours. We can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can have a water balloon fight on a Tuesday. Let's do it. Yeah. Like I can do anything I want to now. Mm-hmm. I mean, right, you know, me and the family have picked up in the middle of the day, you know, a couple of years ago, we went, my, it was like eight o'clock at night and my son wanted to go to like a water park in November um he was like eight you know so he didn't know we saw him we watched a movie about a water park or something he's like i want to go to a water park and my wife just looked up a a hotel in kansas city which is about four hours away it had an indoor water park in the hotel let's go yeah and i said let's (laughs) go and it was tuesday at you know and we left at midnight on a tuesday (laughs) and just spent the whole week at this water park in kansas city in a hotel you know and so yeah, I missed out on a lot of stuff, but I've also got now a lot of memories that nobody else, very other, very few people have the freedom and the, and the money and the mm. freedom to just be able to go do stuff like that. You know, yeah. but I can also say that I envisioned that and planned that out from the time I was 25 years old. Mm. Yeah, that that sense of planning um, and then also the sense of, of discipline, right? That it took to, to get that business off the ground and to grow it when you had that much energy into it. Where does that come from? Is that, is that something that you got from your father? Is that something that you, you got along the way growing up? Like, where does that come from? You know, I think every man has it. Like a hundred percent of men have it. That's why we get obsessed with things like video games and fantasy football and all this mm, stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think of it as discipline. I think of it as like every man has this thing where we get obsessive about something. Like we want, you know, we want, if it's a video game, you know, like I want to unlock that new camo for my gun or (laughs) I want to have, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know, I want to win my fantasy football league or whatever. And like when when you, when you have a specific goal in mind, every man in the world is disciplined all the time, you know? And so for me, Mm -hmm. it was like, it's almost more like hacking your own biology than it is. Yeah. 
a discipline thing. It's like if you figure out how to make a game out of it. So they say turn turn it into a video game. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's not much different than that. I mean, there's every even guys that don't play video games. If you give a video game to 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 a guy to a random masculine guy, mm-hmm. he can't not be addicted because it plays into our psychology so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a scorecard where we can see how we're we're progressing. We can compare ourselves to other people's performance. There's always a new mission. There's always something else to unlock. I mean, those are all like. There's a reason guys get so addicted to that shit. If you can take the concepts of what makes stuff like that addictive, every man there's there's a lot of men that we wouldn't call disciplined, but they're really disciplined about their video games. They get up, bro, and they play for twelve hours. They don't eat. They don't sleep. I know, man. I'm thinking of myself in college and Call of Duty. You know, yeah. (laughs) Think about it. And so for me, I, I don't really consider myself a disciplined person. I just I know myself well enough well enough to know how to get the most out of myself by turning it into by hacking my own inclinations mm-hmm. and turning it into a game yeah okay okay how did uh how did sports play a factor at all um i know you, you grew up playing baseball which i did as well yeah. um you know played at at um the collegiate level uh did you play college ball too i did you did what did you play at uh central arkansas okay what what was that a d1 or d2 it was d2 they're d1 now but they're like d1 a, yeah okay like whatever yeah. that weird thing is it's like just call it d2 guys like, <laughs> yeah no i played it uh i played at valdosta state if you ever heard of oh, that, that south, south, yeah south yeah. georgia man yeah, yeah it's, it's good good program now mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I, played in a, I played in a uh a semi-pro league in jackson mississippi between my junior and senior years and there were a lot of guys from valdosta in that league okay yeah it was uh it was fun man fun place to go go to school play ball and then uh, I played summer league, like wood bat league, um, with for the Atlanta Crackers. Um, oh, if, if you if, if you heard of them, you know it's the yeah. uh, the old like Negro League. Um, you know it's it still kept the same name and stuff. It's it's fun, man. It's a blast. But yeah. uh, what position did you play? I was a pitcher. Pitcher? Okay, I was a catcher. Oh, so, nice. Very, very cool, yeah. man. You righty or lefty? Righty. Okay. How hard did you throw? I threw ninety four about six months ago. <laughs> seriously yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah okay 94 wow yeah. what, what, what did you throw when you're in college about the same um so it was funny I uh I, I didn't plan on playing college baseball my high school baseball career was awesome and I won two state championships I won a state championship in high school my senior year I was the MVP of the state tournament um and then I won a state championship in legion ball in that same summer and I was the MVP of the state tournament in legion ball too and uh, I wasn't really interested in playing college baseball because I didn't want to just pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I wasn't pitching in high school, I was catching or I was playing shortstop. I, you know, I, I was bloody and dirty and like, I felt like, yeah. you know, and man, like pitching where you just play once a week, it's just like, it's awful. It's terrible. So I wasn't planning on playing, but it was funny because I, when I was in high school, I, I weighed like 155 pounds or whatever, you know? And, um, and so the, my, sophomore year of college I just decided to start working out Mm -hmm. and I gained like 25 pounds of muscle and so I I went to I went to UCA and I was driving by during try and and I saw a sign that said tryouts today and so I just got I just went and parked and got out and so I want to see how hard I can throw and I was wearing like um I was wearing cargo shorts flip-flops and like a Abercrombie polo (laughs) 
and I just walked out there for tryouts and they all looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> and I had to go last or whatever. And I had to borrow a glove and borrow cleats and stuff. And I just kind of grinned and I had to, I was the last person that got to pitch, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, in my very first pitch, I just reared back and gassed it up there. And the, the coach screamed, holy shit, and fell out of his chair. <laughs> so, and so I just kind of smiled and I said, that must have been pretty good. <laughs> and so afterwards, I threw about 10 pitches and he stopped me. And he walked out there and he goes, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> you know, I said, how'd I do? I, mu I must have done well. And he showed me the piece of paper and it was 93, 94, 95, 92, 93, something. And I don't know that I'd ever thrown 90 before in high school. We didn't really have radar guns a lot. Mm. You know? But it was uh, it was funny because, yeah, I went out there and threw 94 in cargo shorts and a polo. And so <laughs> flip-flops yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that, you'll probably make the team if you do that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i played i played that year um and then i played that semi-pro year and then um i tore my labrum while i was playing semi-pro ball and i was like you know i got i got draft cards or whatever and um i was projected to be drafted in like the 50th round or you know you know how the major league draft yeah so, yeah you get paid like a thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yeah, like a thousand dollars a year to be a fiftieth round draft. Yeah. I've got other things that I want to do. So yeah, after, my my labrum's still torn. I never even got it fixed. I was just like, I'm ready to move on. And yeah, that next summer is when I started doing sales. And that's okay. Kind of yeah, I was uh, I, I was the same. I did um, so I had a career ender uh, injury as well. So I got my senior year. I got hit by a pitch um, against Francis Marion University up in, I think, North Carolina, I think is where they're at. Um, it was a lefty that was throwing about 93, 94, um, and I was a right-handed hitter and, and two strikes, and so I was choked up, like, on the plate, you know, and uh, it was a, you know, lefty's, like, tailing into the right-hander. Oh, yeah. And so I, I was, you know, two strikes, right? So inside pitch, I'm, I'm like, coming around, you know, to, like, check swing and I see it's tailing into me so I, so instead of like turning my back I didn't have time to oh, I just yeah. kind of went, went like this and yeah. it bam popped my forearm um and, and people oh, in the stands were like we knew it was broken like the second it hit you like you just hear it like boom oh, just like blow up and it was my senior year so I'm like I'm not coming out like like this is it you know um because yeah. I, I wasn't I was really good defensively behind the plate but I wasn't the best hitter so I was like I, there's no way I'm going to play pro like even if I do it'd be the same thing it'd be like I'm not going to go play, you know, for like rookie ball for a thousand dollars a year. Um, so yeah. I was like, I'm not coming out. Right. So, so I, I ran, I ran out of first and like it happened. And I was like, dude, it's broken, man. Like I feel it like it is definitely broken, <laughs> um, but I ran out of first and then um, ended up coming around scoring and then uh, went and changed, got my gear on, came back out to the plate um, and was catching like the warm up pitches. And like, I couldn't even throw it back to the the pitcher, you know, oh, yeah. like, he was like, yeah. doo, doo, doo. And then I was like, shit, man. I was like, all right, that's it. It's over. Yeah, and so, yeah, went, went to the hospital, got casted up, and that was the rest is history, man. That was it. And then uh, after that, I, I joined the military. So I went the, a different route um, oh. post-college, was, uh, was was joined the military right after. So, Oh, that's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, there's, there's so much that I learned from sports, you know? Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and some of just some, you know, valuable life lessons around teamwork, around hard work, around discipline that, that I've carried in, into the military. And then now, you know, into my adult life and, and really trying to distill that with my, my children too, and make sure they're involved in not just individual sports, which I think is important, um, you know, but really team sports, right. And like being part of a team, you know, so um, what, yeah, what did that do for you as far as baseball? 
So it was an interesting thing for me because when I was done with baseball, in my mind, I was like, my, my kids aren't playing baseball because at the time I was very, I was very, uh, I was, cause I'm a smart guy, you know, and I, and I have a lot of things that I, I could have been good at. And I was, and I felt like I had wasted so much of my time pouring energy into baseball that I could have gone to an Ivy league school instead. And I could have a business right now or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like it was a waste of time and it wasn't, you know, but then like when I got into sales, um, I didn't know anything about sales, you know, and, and, um, I was, I was, I was working for Verizon and this okay. was back around the time that iPhones and stuff were coming out. This was like in 2005. And so it was like an explosion of technology at the time. And, um, and so there was a scorecard I found out that ran- that showed where you ranked in sales, like in your store and you could go mm-hmm. up to the national level. And so me being an athlete, I was like, oh, yeah. there's this gamifying it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to win. And so um, training was actually backed up like four months. And so by the time I went to training, they were go through, going through and teaching the scorecard to people in the training class. And I was the number one in the company. In <laughs> training. Before training. Yeah. <laughs> in training. And so she brought me up to the front. She was like, is that you? I was like, yeah, that's me. She said, will you come up here and teach how the scorecard works? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and so I, I ended up and I ended up like teaching the training class when I was in training. And I attribute that to, to sports. I attribute mm-hmm. that to like, I got really good at sales because I wanted to win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and so that was the, the catalyst for me learning all those skills and being good at it and doing all those things really was just like a video game. Like I want to beat the high score. Yeah. Right? You know, like I want to, I want my name to be at the top. And, um, and I think that was kind of a big part of, it was very obvious to me, the more experience I got in the real world, I, I can pin now within five minutes if somebody was a competitive athlete or not. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different mindset with somebody that's used to winning. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was having this conversation with my with my son last night, you know, because he he's very athletic, he's very talented, but he's almost too humble. You know, he feels like it's like there's something wrong with like admitting to himself that he's really good. And it's like, dude, like that, I feel like that is the biggest thing that has that has helped me be successful at, at everything I've done is that I go into it, even if I've never done it, I go into it, I'm gonna win. Yeah. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to chew whoever goes up against me. I'm going to chew them up and I'm going to spit them out and they're going to, and they're going to, I'm going to make them quit. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I'm just, there is no alternative, you know? And I think I, and I got that from sports, but it, it, it immediately seamlessly made me great at sales. Yeah. That yeah. I, I, think- never, I mean, mm. That I never had any experience with that. I didn't know anything about. I've never read a sales book. I've never done anything. I just like, I wanted to win. So I just kept trying different things over and over and over again until I figured out what worked. And I just kept iterating on that. No different than what we do in sports. You know, like we, you know, we have a bat at bat and we're like, we make an adjustment. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I've got a hole in my swing. I'm going to watch film. I'm going to hit the tee and I'm going to keep, because I want to be the best. And because I want to be the best, that's the, that's the catalyst that, that generates all the other activity that people see as discipline. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. discipline. It's a drive, drive to excel and, and compete. 
Yeah. I'm not disciplined. If you ask me to like do something that I don't want to do, it's like, Hey, go, go, go be really disciplined about, you know, weed eating. No, <laughs> I do the minimum amount that I have to do and put the damn weed eater up. Cause I don't like that. And I don't care to win. <laughs> you want me to, if you want me to be good. At I, I, I was about to say, yeah, is making a neighborhood competition. Let's have a race. Yeah. <laughs> make it a neighborhood <laughs> competition of whose yard looks the best, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's this obsessive drive to be the best. You know, yeah. and I, and I think once you get, I think sports teaches you that. And when I, when I go, when I get out into the real world, whatever it's about, whether it's sales or business or Instagram or whatever, you know, it's like, if you didn't play, if you didn't play sports at a high level, you're not ready for what somebody like me or you or anybody that has that is unlocked. Because I think every human being has that drive mm -hmm. in them. They just haven't learned how to tap into it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think sports is one of the, and so you hear, I've always been fascinated, but like you hear these stories about how like a woman can like lift a car off of her kid. If like her, if a child, if her child is pinned underneath the car, all of a sudden she's going to just go pick the damn car up off her kids. Like she didn't know she could do that. She just, the situation required something that mm -hmm. she, it required her to tap into something that was, that was actually there, but life had never forced it to come out. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sports, sports drive us to, to tap into that. Like you're saying is, is and it, it helps at an early age, right? Like, like my, my girls are six and four. And they're playing softball this year. I'm the head coach. Um, you know, it, it's a ton of fun, right? But like, I, I let the parents know. I'm like, hey, we're gonna be competitive. Like, we we are playing to win. Um, you know, I think even even like instilling that at an early age is is that. It's funny, like before this league, they were young enough to where we weren't keeping score, and like naturally, the kids would come up and ask, be like, hey, did we win? Did exactly. we win? You know, exactly. and so like it's there. It's just yeah. sports really help us tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's been very obvious to me in my business career or Instagram or whatever, or even guys like when I'm talking, I talk, I talk with a lot of guys one-on-one -on -one that DM me through Instagram. It's like universally, so many of these things we talk about with masculinity being weak and, and stuff. Now it's like all the guys that I talk to almost universally, none of them played sports mm -hmm. and they never learned the lessons that I learned where it's like, you've got to have like some, some level of like irrational confidence, you know, yeah. <laughs> people that didn't play sports think, think it's arrogance, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. it's, it's like, no, it's armor. It's armor mm. against failure. Mm. Otherwise we would collapse. There's so much failure in sports, you know, like the best, whether it's baseball or basketball or whatever, like Steph Curry's the best basketball, the best shooter that's ever lived, you know? And it's like, he's, he still misses like 55% of his shot. <laughs> like yeah. that irrational, belief in yourself or it's like i'm going to chew you up and i'm going to spit you out you're going to be curled up in the fetal position when i'm done with you like to somebody that didn't play sports that sounds like arrogance and it's really not it's armor against failure you have mm -hmm. to have that kind of self-talk mm -hmm. to jack yourself up but man competing against somebody that does, that hasn't learned how to tap into that side of themselves it's like arm wrestling a toddler <laughs> yeah yeah you're not even ready. I mean, you like you you you're gonna bring everything you think you're capable of. That's a that's like a drizzle compared to the storm that I'm gonna bring. That I'm gonna yeah. Bring. Now, yeah. when you get another guy like you that has learned how to tap into that stuff, now all bets are off. Now it's a prize <laughs> fight. You know what I'm saying? 
Like yeah. it doesn't work on everybody because at some point <laughs> you're going to need people. But by and large, the vast majority of, of guys haven't ever learned how to tap into that primal animalistic. Like there's only one, it's like two lions, right? And there's only one gazelle. Either mm-hmm. I get it or you get it. We ain't going to be nice about it. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't got, it ain't nothing personal. Yeah. But if you try to get in my way, I'm going to do what I got to do. Yeah. For, guy, for guys that didn't play sports, right? You say you come across them all the time in DMs on Instagram and stuff like that. And like they, they haven't been in that competitive nature, right? So they haven't been able to tap into that. How do they tap into that later in life? Because I feel like you, you have to be able to tap into that to be, to be successful, right? To, to, to keep going when it gets hard, like when you fail, like you're going to have to tap into that. So how can guys do that if they didn't have sports growing up? I mean, a lot of the guys, I think that some of it depends on the, I haven't quite completely figured out the answer to that yet, to be honest. I mean, a lot of the guys that I've talked to, once I tell them, it's like they have it and they mm-hmm. want to be that way, but they don't feel like it's okay. Because mm-hmm. they feel like, oh, I, well, that's, I'm going to be arrogant or it's going to be toxic or whatever, you know. And just having another man just affirm, like, no, bro, like, you need to have irrational confidence. Like, it's okay to be like, no, I'm going to beat your ass. Well, you've never done that before. I don't care. Watch me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get in my way and see what happens. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of guys, when you tell them that, they just smile and they're like, okay. And I just tell them, like, man, just get your swagger, man. Like, just quit being afraid to, like, muffle yourself and just let it out, man. You know? And I would say half of the guys that I talk to, that's all they need. And they'll message me later and they're like, bro, I just, my wife tried to come at me sideways last night and I just told her like, hey, we're done with that. We're not playing that game anymore. And they just walk off, <laughs> you know, and they come back and tell me later that their wife was like, wow, that was really hot that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they're, they're afraid to do it because they think they're going to get in trouble. And it's like, and I tell them like, don't be a dick. Yeah. Don't like, just don't feel like you have to be a punching bag to not be an asshole. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a difference between being an asshole and just standing your ground. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of guys, a lot of guys feel like it's wrong to even stand their ground instead of being like, I, I know you're like I've, one of the phrases I tell guys. It's like, you know, they're a lot of them are moms. You know, it's like let me explain something to you. I know as a mom, it's your job to monitor every little, every little thing the kids are doing to like take care of them and stuff. And that's good. And I appreciate that. Let's, let's, let's make something clear here. You ain't my mom. (laughs) I'm not the guy that you're going to nitpick about every little behavior that that I'm doing. Believe it or not, I survive all day long away from the home without you perfectly fine. I don't kill anybody. I don't go crazy. I'm somehow able to function without your input. You're, you're not my mom. Stop mothering me, you know? And a lot of guys are like, you say that? I'm like, yes, I say that. What's wrong with that? I didn't raise my voice. I didn't call her names. Mm. Abusive. Mm. It's just reminding her like, hey, I ain't a kid. It's not your job to police my tone of voice. <laughs> yeah. You know, mind your business. <clears throat> you know, you're not my mom. And a lot of guys are afraid to just stand their ground that way. But when they do and they have that swagger, their wife likes it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so as far as how to teach it to the guys that don't have it, man, I just, I don't, I don't know how to unlock it. I think, I think you need to search for situations that 
kind of like that mom pulling the car up off of her kid. Like you've got to put yourself in a situation that requires more out of you than you think you have. Because mm-hmm. once you, it's like once you dig the well and the, and the water starts coming up, like, you know, the water's there now. Right. And I think sports kind of proverbially do that thing where you dig this well and you tap into like, there's this inner, you know, source of life you know, like water in this analogy that, that's, that's been there the whole time, but you had to dig a well down into it, right? And I mm-hmm. think you have to manufacture some sort of situation that requires you to endure the failure. And you know what it's like as an athlete, how often you fail and how the, the mental aspect of like going 0 for 8 in a doubleheader with three strikeouts and you made the game losing error. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you got to wake up tomorrow and put the gear back on and go. Yeah, go right back and do it again. Yeah, and and like that's all kind of chiseling away at your at your core as a man, um, and and eventually you 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 tap into that wellspring that's, mm. that's there. And I think every I, I firmly believe every man and and woman. I think it probably manifests different a little bit differently with women, but every man has that inner wellspring of toughness or resilience or talent or you know genius right um but you have to put yourself in situations that force you to tap into it where like no mom wants a, a car to land on her child you know but it did give her awareness like holy shit i can lift a damn car if i need to mm-hmm. like can you imagine how much swagger that woman has yeah, I know, right? <laughs> after, after doing something like that, you know, like once you know what you're capable of, you can't forget it. Hmm. So I think for a lot of men that, you know, my, my advice would be find something, put yourself in a situation that requires that, you know, going into it, you don't have what it takes to do it. Hmm. And, and the whole point is to learn how to tap into what you truly are capable of, because you haven't been challenged enough. And I think for most men that haven't unlocked that, it really comes down to the common thread of you've never been challenged hard enough that you had to dig down so deep that you had no choice. You have to put yourself in a situation with no way out Mm. that you have to find it within you somehow to perform something that you probably shouldn't be able to do. Yeah. And I think once you do that too, it's going to build that confidence for the next round. Right. Like you talked about having that, you know, that, that confidence, um, you know, if like, Hey, I, I, I've never done this, but I, I have the confidence to know I can figure it out. It's like, you, you have that confidence because you've been in that situation and you figured it out in the past. Right. So the more times you do that, the more confidence you're going to have, right. Which is going to be like this perpetual cycle, right. Of, of I'm, I'm confident because of the things I've done and because of my confidence, I do more things, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you got guys deadlifting in the gym a lot, right? Like if tomorrow you were at the gym and, there, you know, there was an older, there was an older woman, you know, that somehow, you know, dropped 500 pounds on, on herself and somebody had to go pick it up off her. As a dude, you might've only ever deadlifted 300 pounds, but if it's an emergency, you go over there and you pick that weight up and pull it off her, you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, holy shit, did I just, <laughs> yeah. Did I just deadlift 500 pounds? And mm-hmm. once you know that, you can't forget it. It mm-hmm. changes what you see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't un you can't un unremember that you actually have it in you to lift more. Mm-hmm. 
you know and so that's that's why I, the, the biggest thing i recommend to men is like dude go throw yourself into a situation where it's like there's no you have no choice but to perform like a, an emergency and you'll be shocked at what you're capable of mm-hmm. yeah no it, it's great advice man i think a good way to be able to do that right is is with physical fitness i think is a big one right to be able to tap into that energy to tap into that kind of the dark side right is, is what i like to call it you know is that that energy that that helps you perform at the highest level um yeah. and a great way to do that is physical, physical activity it's super hard strenuous workouts well, right yeah. here's an idea like mm-hmm. take it even a step further do something that has an audience mm-hmm. like, oh i'm i'm a i'm a, I'm a brazilian jiu- I'm, I'm doing jujitsu or i'm doing muay thai where it's like okay schedule a fight <laughs> yeah fight and invite yeah. your family yeah, like I have no option, right, other than to get and embarrassed. Get, and get your, or, and know yeah. ahead of time that you're going to get your ass beat and do it anyway. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's like, mm-hmm. put yourself in a situation that, like, you're going to be embarrassed if you fail. Like, there's got to be more even outside of you. Like, Yeah, you, could be a take stakes on the line. Like if, if, yeah, there's got to be stakes. And I think that's mm-hmm. what a lot of men are missing. And I think that's what sports really provides is stakes. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I strike out right now, everybody I know is at this game and they're going to see it. All my teammates are going to blame me for it. Like men have to learn how to deal with that pressure and failing their family, failing mm-hmm. everybody that they know. And like, once you, once you've handled mm-hmm. that a little bit, all of a sudden you're not going to have a fear of failure anymore. You're just going to mm-hmm. be like, I might, I might fail, I might succeed, but it is what it is. And I think that's what's missing the most in the modern world is stakes. Mm -hmm. No, it's okay to fail. It's like, it wasn't okay to fail in the year 1600 if you were out hunting and you had a shot on a deer and you missed it and your family starved to death. It wasn't okay. You had to hit the shot. Mm -hmm. Now, if you miss a shot, it was like, oh, it's okay. You'll get another chance. It's like, you might not, you might starve to death. And that's, yeah. I think, what we're missing the most is that there's no stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I would challenge, man. It's like, yeah, I think physical fitness and stuff like that's important. But if it's going to be physical fitness, then go enter a CrossFit competition and get 78th place. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I thought I was in shape. Like, no, go enter a CrossFit competition and try to win. Mm-hmm. Go, bo- go box a professional boxer in front of your kids and let your kids watch you get your ass beat. <laughs> yeah it'll work it sounds crazy but it'll work because you'll stand there and just because your kids are watching you'll stand there and you'll take 50 more punches than you think you could have taken you'll get back up and you'll but you'll know then how tough you are even if you lose like Mm -hmm. i never would have thought i could have taken a beating like that and kept going yeah no i I love it man i think um we, we have so much more potential i think that we give ourselves credit for um, we just have to figure out a way to tap into that, right? Um, you know, to, to find that energy that's going to help us help us succeed. Um, so, Ryan, I, I um I know we're both on schedules, man. So I'm going to um, wrap it up here. But where where can guys go go find you? I know on Instagram, uh, the Wisdom of Kings. But but do you have a blog that guys can go to as well? That's kind of more long form. No, Instagram's all I've got for now. Okay, well, cool, man. We'll um yeah, no, we'll we'll link in the description. And guys, definitely go check Ryan out. Um. I think you guys will will be uh, pleasantly surprised with some of the content that you're putting out. That's more long form, right? It's not short, you know, little surface level stuff, but really getting in in deep, you know. Um, so, 
Right. We'll definitely have to have you back on, man. Um, yeah. I, I want to, on next conversation, really talk about fatherhood leadership, um, how you're approaching uh, raising sons in, in today's environment, you know? So I've yeah. got a, a little son myself. He, he turns one here in a few days. Um, yeah. So that, that's totally transformed the way that I think about, you know, raising kids and, and having a son now. So definitely want to get your, your perspective on that too. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to. So, all right, Ryan. Well, guys, uh, thank you for joining and uh, go check out Ryan and, and we'll see you on the next episode.